Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. So, um, I want to tell you guys this up front. I am not going to resolve this message today. So, it's the reason is because it's so much content that I've been studying. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to present part one, and then I want you to come back next week. Say, I'm going to do that. So we got RSVP is probably already open, okay? So you can jump in. And I kind of like that I'm not going to resolve it. You know why? Because you're going to have to wrestle with it all week. And I do like that. I'm going to be honest. I really like that. I understand that my role as a pastor most of the time is to comfort the afflicted. But every now and then, my responsibility is to afflict the comfortable. So I'm just going to leave you with some content this week that you're going to have to wrestle through with the Holy Spirit. And, um, and then you're going to get some resolution next week. Okay? Does that sound good to everybody? Okay, cool. You're not supposed to do that as a preacher. I just want you to know you're supposed to present the topic, tell everybody what you're going to teach them, and resolve it by the end. But I'm going to break that preacher rule this Sunday. Is that okay? Awesome. So I want to tell you why I am teaching on identity. This is going to be more of a teach than a preach, okay? But knowing me, I'll probably, you know, do some preaching. So um, I, I, I've been running a lot, and uh, you guys, if you follow me on the gram, you've seen that, and I enjoy running. I like running. It's a time that I can get alone and pray and uh, just spend time talking to Jesus. And I was thinking about this next season of our church's life, and I was asking the Lord, what is it that we should dive into? And I felt really drawn to the fundamentals of our faith. And I started thinking about theology and how we might want to hit on some biblical foundational principles of theology. I thought that might be a good thing to talk about. And maybe the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that would be a good thing to talk about. And I felt like the Lord just asked me, what would you teach your son? I, 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 don't, I don't know why Isaiah got brought into the conversation. I know the Lord loves him. And I thought, well, I don't know. I think I would maybe teach him how to pray. And so, we, you know, the Lord and I were having this conversation on this run. And I'm thinking, I need to teach the church about how to go deeper in their intimacy with God. And so I was on that for like three days. And I was prepping my spirit. Like, okay, we're going to talk about intimacy with God. And then like after three days, I was on a run. And I felt like that the Holy Spirit changed my agenda. He said, no, 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 I want you to go deeper than just teaching people how to pray. I want you to go to the core of who they are and spend time in the Word of God talking about identity because people need to know who they are. God's people need to know who they are. Amen? So look at the person next to you say, you need to know who you are. And then ask them, do you know? That's good. So why in the world would we even talk about identity? I want to resolve this question up front. I actually have a slide for this. But why would we even talk about identity? Well, as Christians, we must consistently teach and talk about our identity. Because our culture, every culture on the earth, is actively imposing an identity process upon us. 
This is happening and has always happened without our permission and very likely without our awareness. So my goal for this message today is simply to make that identity process a little bit more visible. That's why I've entitled the message Culture's Creed. I was going to say culture's catechism, but then I didn't think that was going to be so relevant to charismatics. And so we're going with culture's creed, all right? Um, We have creeds in the church, don't we? We have theological creeds that we adhere to. Well, culture also has creeds. The problem is, you know, in the church, the creeds are published. In the cultures, the creeds are, you know, they're, they're intangibles, We don't see them on the surface. There's no website that we can go to to read out loud our culture's creed to become aware of what it is that we're subscribing to as members of this society. Nonetheless, there is a creed that we all are are exposed to, perhaps without our awareness, that culture is thrusting upon us. Uh, We're not being asked if we would like to receive this script. We're simply being handed this script from a very early age. Then we're being kicked out onto the stage of life, and we are being demanded that we read our lines. If you buck against that system, you get branded as an outsider. You get marginalized. You get talked about. You get demonized or vilified. And that's the way that the culture keeps everybody in line. Is this helping so far? Just a little intro. I know I've been on sabbatical for a while, so I got a lot stored up, you know. But my goal in this message, just to make this process just a little bit more visible, this identity process that we are a part of as being involved in the American culture, okay? So what is an identity process? An identity process is a formation process that provides you a sense of self and a sense of value, all right? So where do you get your sense of self, and where do you get your sense of value? We're all going through an identity process where we are being taught where to get a sense of self and who to get a sense of self from. Perhaps it's a parent. Perhaps it's an influencer. Maybe it's yourself. Like our culture, every culture on the earth, Like there are identity processes that we enter into that are informing us of who we are and where we are supposed to be getting our value from. Are we all together so far? Am I making sense so far? Awesome. So one of the statements I'd like to make up front that's going to be very countercultural is simply this. We don't find ourselves. That right there is a message within itself. Let me say this more boldly. You cannot discover yourself. That's controversial right there. You cannot go on like an eat, pray, love journey and discover yourself. And and I don't have anything against yoga unless you're doing it in the wrong spirit. But you can't do enough yoga to discover yourself. You can't do enough uh, meditation or medication to discover yourself. I know everybody now, they're all into psychedelics, and they're convincing themselves that it's okay because of the science. Listen, 
the science doesn't inform you of what's going on in the spirit. These people who are talking, here's the science, here's the science. Well, what is the spirit saying and how does this affect your spirit? That's all I'm saying. It's all I'm saying, Christian people. I mean, I'm just putting it out there. Every now and then you need to ignore the scientists and listen to your pastor. But I know I'm getting into all kinds of trouble. It's just the intro. It's actually impossible for you to discover yourself because we all are using a script that comes to us from one source or the other. Most folks, particularly non-Christians, are using a script that comes to them from the culture. But we as Christians are called, are appointed, and are assigned to utilize a different script to inform us of who we are right? At least we're supposed to. But I would say that unfortunately, even in the church, rather than using the creed of doctrine that we've been given to shape who we are as people, we are using the creeds of culture to shape who we are as people. Now, I'm not saying that we should simply subscribe to a set of belief systems because I think many Christians have succeeded at subscribing to a set of beliefs in their head while allowing the script of culture to shape their hearts. We find this, we discover this because the older we get, the more implausible that Christianity becomes. You guys get what I'm saying? When the set of beliefs uh, dwell solely in our heads, but the script of, script, script of culture dwells in our hearts, we eventually move towards our heart's culture, not our head's culture. And even though we may come to church, we'll read scriptures about raising the dead and we'll say this is impossible. We'll read scriptures about no poor among us and we'll say this is, j- this is not really possible. We'll, we'll read scriptures about revival and 3,000 people get saved in a day. And we'll say, that's not really possible today. We'll read scriptures about the gifts of the Spirit and prophecy and the working of miracles. And we'll say, that just doesn't seem, that's nonsense. Why is it? Because we are moving closer to the script that culture has handed us that is shaping our internal world in our hearts versus the creeds that God gives us to shape our hearts. We're simply... Um, you know, subscribing to this set of beliefs in our head. We're like, I believe this, I believe this, I believe this. But then the older we get, the more religious we become because it's not actually shaping our hearts. Have you guys seen this? Am I the only person that's noticed this? So this is an identity process that we, Christian people, need to become more aware of so that we're not swept away by it. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, you guys all know this. Just going to read the front portion of it. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. But there's a lot of pressure to conform, isn't it? Because if you get out of line and you stop reading that script, you're going to go through some hard times. Right? Because there's a lot of pressure to conform. But Paul is teaching us, he's teaching Christian people, hey, you cannot become more like Christ while being conformed to the pattern of this world. As Christian, I know it's a simple statement, guys, but please hold on to it. As Christian people, we're called to become more like Christ. Right. So we cannot move closer to becoming like Christ the more we are conformed to the pattern of this world. 
There's a juxtaposition there. I know it's simple, but it's really important that we understand this. Because unfortunately, many Christian people, people who are passionate about worship, love church, love coming to church. They love their faith. They love prayer. But in their hearts, they're being shaped by a different identity process. And that's the process of our culture. And uh, this, this is, I think, just looking around, particularly at young adults, because I see you guys on social media. I see other people on social media. I see this happening incessantly. It's like, man, Christianity has their heads, but culture has their hearts. And it's an unsustainable process. Eventually, what will happen is you will not, you will not only move away from the church, but you will move away from the Lord. At least in my experience, those are the things that I've seen. So we have to know more, church, than a set of beliefs. We must know, you must know what God has to say about you so that you are able to consistently undercut the identity process that is being actively superimposed upon you each and every day by culture. Do you guys believe this? We've got time left. I'm going to convince you before it's over. <laughs> Ephesians chapter uh, 4, verse 22 through 24. If you want to learn about identity throughout this time that we're together... I would really suggest spending some time in the book of Ephesians. There's a lot of good uh, teaching about your identity. We're going to read verse 22 through 24. It says, put off your old self. Everybody say, the old identity. identity. Here's Paul's Paul's teaching. Put that off. Also, uh, cultural identity. Just cast that off, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Everybody say, desires. See, your old self is driven by something, your desires, right? And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness, and then there's a cuss word, holiness. It's a generational cuss word. We don't like that word. Holiness? Hold on. Wait just a second. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 through 24 is what Paul is teaching us here is he's saying, hey, guys, look, the culture is giving you identities. But what I want you to do is I want you to take them off and I want you to put on Jesus. I want you to actively become aware the culture is giving you identities. Take them off and I want you to put on Christ. So um, if if. If we had a debate today, like if there, were, if there was like an atheist up here and like we were debating I, and, I, or, and I was trying to convince you to become a Christian if you weren't already, I think one of the strongest points that I could make was just how awesome your identity is when you become a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Like it is a true blessing that a Christian has an identity that is far less fragile than the identity that culture gives you. Because the culture identity is constantly driven by desires, whereas the Christian identity is actually anchored in Christ. So if you are tired of living your life in such a way internally that you are constantly conflicted up and down, back and forth, driven by your feelings, your desires, you don't know which way is up or down, who you are today or tomorrow, and you're always conflicted and confused about who it is that you're supposed to become. So you're constantly on a journey of discovering yourself. Let me tell you, God's word has something to say to you. 
Because the identity that you have received through Christ Jesus is immovable. It is unshakable. It doesn't matter what comes against you, who comes against you, who talks about you. It does not fragment. It does not get shattered. You can stand strong knowing, look, this is who I am in Christ. It doesn't matter who says what about me. I know what God says about me. So here's another key term for you here, identity. Identity, and I've kind of defined this through identity process, but if you're taking notes, it's your sense of self and your sense of worth. Uh, Your identity could also be defined as your core trust. Everybody say core trust. It's kind of an odd term, but I'll define it. And, And your source of value and recognition. So this is what your core trust is. Your core trust is what you trust most, what you rely on most, what you fundamentally live for, and it is identical, thus the word identity, in all of your roles. So it doesn't matter what role. See, I'm a father. I'm a son. I'm a pastor. I'm a leader. I'm an aspiring athlete in Jesus' name. Uh, You know, like... My, like there is, there is a core trust I have that I get my sense of, of, of worth, that I get my sense of value, that I get my sense of recognition, that I put my trust in most despite the different roles that I play. That is your identity. And for some of us today, that could be eye-opening that our identity is not actually rooted in Christ, but it's rooted in the script that cultures past us. If that's you today, we're going to give you an opportunity. We're going to pray together. We're going to repent. You're going to get set free of that, and you're going to receive more of the gospel identity in your life. Essentially, your identity is what you look to for security and significance. So just remember these two words, security and significance. Security, defined, is what you trust most, and significance is what you value most. So your security is what you trust most. Your significance is what you value most. If what you trust most is your career and what you value most is being successful in your career, well, then your career is your identity. This can be very eye-opening for some of us. I understand that. That's okay. This is good. All right? So what is it that you trust most? At the end of the day, Despite what role you're playing in life, this is what you go back to and you say, this is what I trust. Is it money? Is it a relationship? You guys with me? So it's important that we understand these things. And I want to talk to you a little bit about how we got here. Now, in order to do that, I have to credit three um, teachers. Um, I, I, I contacted a friend of mine, Pastor John Tyson from Church of the City, New York, and we, t- we had a conversation about identity. Some of what I'm teaching you today was inspired by teachings he passed along to me. Also, Tim Keller uh, has some wonderful teachings on the topic of identity, and as well as a book that I am not recommending to you. Okay? So I know a lot of times everybody says, you got to read this, you got to read this. I'm not recommending this book to you, okay? It's by a Canadian philosopher named Charles Taylor. And it's an older book. I think it's written in the late 80s. I've got some captions from it, but it's called The Sources of the Self. And it's a philosophical book. Like I said, I'm not recommending it to you, okay? I'm going to give you some highlights today. It's dense. It's deep. It's unnecessary, okay? But Charles Taylor gives us some rich content that I think would be helpful to help, to help us understand 
how this identity process started. So here's a quote from Charles Taylor. He said, in the most ancient times, the highest good was honor. Honor was defined as sacrificing your individual happiness and interest for the good of the tribe or the family. So in these times, there were two forms of honor. One was male and the other was female. The highest form of honor in ancient times for a male was to die in battle. It was to sacrifice your life for the greater good of the tribe. That was the highest honor in an ancient uh, culture uh, with an ancient identity. Now, for a female, the highest honor uh, was to bear children, to sacrifice all the moms know what I'm talking about here. Sacrifice their sleep, sacrifice their time, sacrifice their energy for the greater good of the next generation. Also, though, what a great honor was to die in childbirth. Wow. So these two, these, these two uh, driving values for the male and the female uh, were the same in that they were both honor. And so in, in an ancient community, this would be the, 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 the greatest good, the highest good. It was to sacrifice for the greater good of the whole. So your identity in ancient times was not found in what makes you happy. Yeah. Right? A little contrast from today. It was found in what was best for your family. Wow. So that's ancient times. We're just, this is philosophy here, okay? I'm not telling you you have to, like, this is, what, this is the gospel. I'm, I'm simply sharing some sources of the self, a little philosophy. Okay, you good? Okay. So, in ancient times, your identity was external. Everybody say external. Meaning you ignored your insides, you ignored what was going on in your heart, and you sacrificed for the greater good outside. Right? So, in an ancient time, I heard Tim Keller uh, share this. He was talking about an ancient warrior, for instance. Like, let's say a man who was an ancient warrior. He was walking down the street. He recognized the aggression and his passion to kill people. And he would say to himself, it's a great thing. I'm a warrior. That's who I am. I'm aggressive. I kill people. Pretty wild. Um, on the other hand, he may have a sexual urge. He would deny that and say, that is not who I am. I will stuff that because I sacrifice my insides for the greater good of the outside, right? Flip-flop that to today. You have somebody walking down the street and they say, I am aggressive. I want to kill people. Well, you need counseling, bro. On the other hand, they get a sexual urge. That's who I am. This is my identity. Philosophically, philosophically. This is what we're seeing. It's a transition of how identity is found. Okay? We need to understand these things. Do you guys agree? It's important. So um, if you look at Aristotle, Plato, Confucius, if you look at the Stoics, I've, I've, I've listened to a few people recently that really subscribe to Stoic philosophy. And what they did was they sought these moral absolutes out there. Right? They were ethereal. They were in the universe. There was a greater good that needed to be sought and discovered somewhere out there. So you, 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 you did your best through philosophy and education and, and, and science, and you did what you could uh, to discover the good out there, and then you did the work on the inside to align your internal reality, your internal identity with the good that was out there. 
So it was understood there are moral absolutes, there is higher truth, there is a greater good, but it doesn't exist within the individual. It exists somewhere out there in the universe. They might call that God. Uh, they obviously did refer to the Bible uh, in that time as saying this is absolute truth. This is where we get our moral absolutes. And this is external. It is all out there. So what I'm doing is I am learning about it. I am grasping for it. I'm seeking it. And then once I apprehend it, I align my internal identity with it. Do you guys get what I'm saying? So all ancient identities, and, and we'll segue into talking a little bit about traditional identities, which is how we would use that term today. Identity is all external. So it's not about me. It's not about what's happening in my insides. It's happening out there. It's what's best for the tribe. It's what's best for society. It's what's best for my parents. It's what's best for my kids. It's what's best, you know, for my family. Okay? So that's how an ancient person would go about or a traditional person would go about looking for or, or having their identity uh, defined. So externals provided identity. That would be society or your parents. And so uh, even today, and, you, and some of you guys are from non-Western societies. And if you are, you're like, yeah, it's still that way where I'm from. My parents told me who I was. Society told me who I was, right? I'm not looking for who I am on the inside. Somebody else has told me, and this is, this is how I live my life. And to give you guys a little bit of a timeline, I actually created a timeline here to help us to understand. And this is from uh, Taylor's book. Uh, but the modern age, this is why I told you you didn't need to read it, okay? It's dense. I'm giving it to you. You guys okay? I told you it's not a preach. You guys still alive? So the modern age, 1600, 1700, absolute moral truths no longer external or out there or in the Bible. These truths are now inside. Your own reason is now your validator. So this is how we're getting to the modern identity, which is our current predominant cultural script. Okay, so number one, modern age. Number two was the romantic age. Some of you guys really like this. I like this. As an Enneagram 4, I think it's cool. Absolute moral truths are no longer your own reason. It's not about science. Now it's about your own heart. Science could no longer determine absolute moral truths. Now it is art and intuition. That's how we discover absolute truth, moral truths. And then the 20th century, which is where we are today, there is no more absolute moral truths. They are only so social constructs. The only, the, those moral truths, those absolute, that's a social constructs. That's a cultural construct that has been created to keep you in a cage. Have you heard that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, there is no external good any longer. All good must be discovered internally. You do you, boo. Discover yourself. Define yourself. Discover your truth. Discover your good. Find your good. What's good for you is good for you. What's good for me is good for me. See, this is philosophically here. As I'm not even giving you guys Bible at this point. Just philosophically, we need to be aware uh, of the cultural construct that we are currently a part of because if we as Christians are not aware of it, it will be thrust upon us and we will follow suit without any awareness that culture actually has our heart despite that a set of beliefs has our heads. Okay? This is important for us to learn. So notice here, over time what, what we've done as a society is we've moved from an external identity to an internal identity. 
No longer do we need anyone or anything out there defining us or validating us. Now we must decide on the inside who we are and whether or not we're good. So a modern identity, which is the culture we live in, looks to nobody but itself to discover its own good. So today we're responsible for creating our good, right? We're responsible for deciding what's right and what's wrong for us. So what we've done here as we've moved from external to internal, from the traditional identity to the modern identity, is we've moved our identities from duties to desires. Right? So it used to be that duties would define us, what we did for the greater good of society, what we get, did for our family, what we did for our kids. So duties would define our identity. Now, as we've moved internally as a culture, it's now our desires that define us and give us our identity. What I want, what I feel, that's who I am. So that's, that's, that's where we've moved. So in traditional identities, you are your duties. In modern identities, you are your desires. So what, what do we see happening here? And I, I, I actually thought about doing a whiteboard, but I was like, ah, it's going to mess everything up and the cameras and stuff. But I was thinking about making a chart and just contrasting the traditional identity with the modern identity. But that's my left hand. You're right. Okay, traditional, modern over here. So traditional is an outside-in identity. So, so it's external, it comes in, then it shapes who I am. Now, on this side, a modern identity is an inside-out identity. So I'm here, I decide and define my good, and then I go out into society, and I tell everybody this is who I am. So over here, society tells me who I am. My parents tell me who, who I am, right? Over here in the modern identity, I, I decide who I am, then I tell my parents who I am, and then I tell society who I am. Does this make sense? This is what's happened, okay? So traditional identity is received by being a person of honor that sublimates their desires for the duty of the tribe or the family. And once you've done that honorable work, the tribe then says, that's a good person. That's what they do. Then they, they will say, that is a good person right there. Look at them. They have done their duty. We declare you are good. And then your identity is secure, right? But see, what happens, what happens here in the traditional is that you receive your identity from the outside, then you argue with the inside. Okay? So this is, this is way deeper than I thought it was. You guys are looking at me like, man, whoa, heady Sunday morning stuff here. But it's an argument principle, okay? So what would happen is, say your parents would tell you, you are a good kid. And then when you would mess up and do something that caused you to feel like a bad kid, you would argue with your insides. You'd say, my, my parents said I'm a good kid, therefore I'm a good kid. You guys get the argument principle. We would receive a word from the outside, then we would come inside and argue with ourselves. Okay? Now, modern identity is the exact opposite. Modern identity is received by going inside, discerning all of your desires, deciding who you want to be and what you want to do, and then you come outside and then you demand everybody else recognize you as good. Okay? So here's what happens the argument shifts from an internal argument to an external argument. So initially with the internal argument, you're receiving a word about who you are, you come in and then you argue with yourself. In the modern identity, you decide who you are, then you go out into society and then you argue with society. 
You see what I'm saying? Over here, society says, oh, you did your duty. You are good. Over here, modern, uh, modern age, we're like, I decided who I am. Therefore, all of you need to dis- declare that I'm good. And people are like, but you haven't done anything yet. You're not. You know, no, no, I, I have decided. This is who I am. You all accept me or I will argue with you. You see what I'm saying? This is the modern identity. Once again, this is philosophy, right? So traditional identity says I must sacrifice for society. I must sacrifice for the greater good of the whole. Modern identity says society must sacrifice for me. Are you guys, you guys catching this? Traditional identity, identity says I need to adjust for society. Modern identity said society needs to adjust for me. So this is the age in which we live right here. This is, you guys picking up what I'm laying down here. This is the age in which we live. And how, does, how is it that culture pushes this script upon us? How is it that culture requires us to take hold of this script? And, and, and how is it that, that culture has an agenda to transform us? Here is how culture does it. Through stories and songs. Right? So I know, like, some people are like, well, I, you know, it's not a sin for me to watch that movie. It may not be a sin, but is it, is it shaping you in your heart to become more like Christ? Or is it causing you to read the lines from culture's script It's not a sin for me to listen to this music. Well, it may not be a sin. I'm not saying it's going to keep you out of heaven, but it may keep heaven out of your heart. No, I can do what I want. Well, is is that really you or is that the modern identity that's been infused with who you thought you were? So... I'm not trying to spook you or anything, but our kids and we as children, everybody in here, we are being incessantly indoctrinated with the modern identity. None of our heroes any longer are really wrestling with the traditional identity script. Our heroes today are now wrestling with the modern identity script. Right. Uh, let me prove it to you. Okay. So, has anybody? I, I, listen, I'm a I'm a dad. Okay. I've seen Frozen a thousand times. So, here's the deal. Elsa is. It's true. Elsa is literally an identity transformation from the traditional identity to the modern identity. And it, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be weird. I'm not trying to be one of those preachers, okay? But it's like it is quite literally, I mean, I'm just stating a fact here. It is indoctrinating our children. I'm not saying don't let them watch Elsa, okay? Remy loves Frozen. But like pray about it or, you know what I mean? Or at least be aware. Like, hey, when my kids watch this, here's the script that they're being handed. Okay, look, here is the lyrics to let it go. Okay. All right. Do you guys have the lyrics or did you just do let it go? Okay. It's fine. I will read you the lyrics, portions of it. Don't let them in. Don't let them see. Be the good girl. You always have to be concealed. Don't feel. Don't let them know. Well, now they know. 
I don't care what they're going to say. Let the storm rage on. The cold never bothered me anyway. It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Let it go. So just... I'm, I look, I'm just saying, this is what our kids are singing. See? No right, no wrong. Well, hold on, wait, that's not the Bible. Because there's definitely right and there's definitely wrong. And it's, a, it's a, no moral absolutes, no biblical truth. What's good for me is good for me. All of the social constructs, let them go. You see, I'm just, look, I'm, I'm not trying to be a hater, okay? I like Disney, but all of the Disney stories that you and I grew up watching and singing, and it's all about the modern identity. What's good for me is good for me. I can do whatever I want to do. There's no consequences to me pursuing my own truth. It's the same narrative. And what you have to understand is that this is a cultural narrative that is currently being propagated to you and your kids incessantly through media and through movies, through stories, through heroes, and they make them so appealing. It's true, guys. Okay, this is what's happening right now in our society. And uh, one of the things that, that um, Keller actually said was this is why we cannot reconcile our mindset with the mindset of the saints because the saints did not wrestle with self-doubt okay here's why because they understood there was a there was a higher truth they understood that there were moral absolutes they understood that there were biblical truths so they didn't wrestle internally about those truths what they wrestled with was the courage to pursue those truths Today, we, didn't, we can't identify with the saints of old because none of our modern heroes uh, wrestle with those things. What they wrestle with is choosing the path for themselves because the culture tells us that whatever path we choose is the path that is good. You see, so... So today, obviously, we have a lot of causes to give ourselves to, but in the modern identity, what makes a cause good is not that we're sacrificing for the greater good. What makes a cause good is because we choose it. You see, you get what I'm saying? There's a lot of causes we could all be involved in, but we're not. Why? We haven't chosen it. It's not appealing to us. This is deep. So here's how we're going to finish. And just, just wait just one second, Tyler, because I do need to hurry, but just wait just one second because I don't want them to go straight into like, you know, <laughs> glory mode yet. Yeah, Tyler gets playing and goes swirl town so fast. This <laughs> is the thing you guys have to realize. Now, let me rewind that statement. This is the thing that we have to realize. I don't like preaching at you like that. That's not good. The culture never asks us which one we want to be. You notice that? You didn't get like a voting card. Like, do you want to have the modern identity or you want to have a Christian identity? Do you want to have a traditional identity? or No, 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 no. Culture doesn't let you vote on what kind of identity that you should want to have. What culture does is, is simply this. It just vilifies and it demonizes any other identity process aside from its own. 
So that's how we're pushed towards it because anything that the culture doesn't, you know, uh, you know, say, we confirm that this is good. The greater the, the culture at large. Whatever identity process that they declare is good, here's what's a guarantee. Any other identity process gets demonized. Okay? So if we're not aware, church, that's why I said I'm not going to resolve it today, okay? I'm just going to let you wrestle with it a little bit. But if we're not aware, church, we're going to be shaped into modern identity and not a gospel identity. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about gospel identity. But before we leave and, and, you know... Tyler takes us into Swirl Town for a few minutes. I'm going to give you guys, Rick is going to laugh audibly. Six points. <laughs> they're going to be fast, okay? I'm, they're going to probably all be on the screen at the same time. But listen, there are six problems with the modern identity. So if you're thinking to yourself, if you're like, these are the points. See, look, I told you, quickness. So look, if you thought to yourself, well, the modern identity isn't so bad. I like defining myself by my feelings. Thank you very much. I don't want to define myself in accordance to what my parents spoke over me or what society speaks over me. And I'm not saying traditional identity is the best because neither one of these identities are the best and neither one of these identities really are the worst. They're just not a gospel identity. My goal today is not to vilify or demonize either one. The Bible speaks for itself. My goal today is simply to inform you of the predominant script that's being pushed at you incessantly by our culture and asking you to reframe your awareness of who it is that you are becoming and how it is you're called to become. So here's, here's point one. The problem with the mod modern identity is it's incoherent. If nobody except for your feelings can tell you what is right, you're going to be filled with contradictions. You know why? Because your feelings always change. Right? I feel to go this way. And then like a year later, you're like, man, why did I feel that? I should have felt to go that way. It's obviously much more wise. We should have felt that. Didn't feel it at the time. Uh, it's, I remember one time we were having a family, I don't have time for this, but we're, it's funny. We're, we, we were having a family discussion. My dad called a family meeting and, and, and he told us all we needed to go back to college and stuff because none of us finished. And uh, probably shouldn't admit that publicly, but um, I remember he was very serious telling my brother Jordan, you need to be doing this and doing that and you need to do this. And, and Jordan said, I'm just not feeling it. He said, oh, you're not feeling it, are you, Jordan? Just not feeling it. And he said, how are you going to get an education? I'm dead serious. This is, what, this is what my brother said. Dad, duh, the internet. <laughs> okay, I got to move. Number two. It's fragile. Hey, did you guys know this, that no one can name themselves? No, you can't actually bless yourself. No one can define themselves. As social beings, identity has to be negotiated through dialogue. And since, since no one can declare who they are uh, all by themselves, they, they simply yell at everybody else to affirm them. 
And when I say that it's fragile, uh, you're a dream for marketers. If you have embraced the modern identity completely, you are a dream for marketers. You know, because you know, uh, no offense, Franklin, but you know, like, marketers, they're not, you can confirm or deny this afterwards, but they're not selling you a product on the basis of its functionality as much any longer as they are uh, bringing you into an identity process and saying things like this, thoughtful people use this kind of toothpaste. Right? So it's somewhat of an identity process. So you are, you are a bullseye for marketers. Um, and then no, it, because your identity is so fragile that nobody can disagree with you without you feeling like they're attacking you as a person. That's how you know. Like my identity is fully shaped by the modern identity. When someone disagrees with you and you're like, you are attacking my very person. Uh, Number three, it's crushing. Uh, the traditional identity is all about fitting in, whereas the modern identity is all about standing out. So unless you are always the most beautiful, unless you are always the most brilliant, unless you are always the most special, well, guess what happens? You get crushed in the process. And that's really terrible for being wise and aging well. Too real. It's fragmenting, meaning this... Communities, we know this, communities and families are constantly eroding. People no longer trust the church. They don't trust organizations. They're less willing to serve for the greater good. It's because we're radically individualistic. And so if other people are not helping me to achieve my fragile identity, I break up with them. I have a very fragile identity that is completely being driven by my feelings at the moment. And unless you celebrate it and affirm it and help me accomplish it, then I will break this covenant of marriage with you and I will move on in my own direction because I have discovered myself. That's the modern identity. My God. I did preach after all. Hallelujah. Um, okay. I'm so sorry, tech team, because uh, I've gone over time, but point five is it's exclusive, meaning the modern identity finds out who it is by demonizing who it's not. So anybody who's not like you, demonized, because that actually assages who you say that you are. So everybody who's not like you, you have to demonize them because your identity is so fragile. Unless they're bad and you're good, you're not going to be able to hold yourself together. Where do you get your sense of security and significance? Well, I get it in the fact that I'm a Republican. So therefore, all Democrats are devils. Well, I get it from the fact that I'm a Democrat, and therefore, all Republicans are bigots. Dang. I disagree. They didn't post that thing like I liked. I disagree. They posted that, and I didn't like that. Demons. Racist. I mean, just whatever tag you want to apply to it that may or may not actually be true. It's just you need to get that out so that you can affirm who you think that you are. I know. This is bad. Um, number six is it's actually, and this is a good way to end, it's actually an illusion. 
Because anytime you think you're going into your heart to discover yourself, you're actually bringing with you a grid of culture. I'm going to go discover myself. Okay, well, what are you going to go in there and look around with? You know, it's like a cultural flashlight. That's what you're going to go with. You're going to go with the lens of the culture that says, I'm going to find myself. Well, you have the wrong tool. You're using culture, not the Bible. So to discover who you are, you must have a word from the outside. I say it again. To discover who you are, you must have a word from the outside. You can't name yourself. You didn't name yourself. We are social creatures. That's the way that God made us. And so our identity has to be negotiated through dialogue. You actually have to deputize somebody to tell you who you are. So who have you given that permission? I can allude to the person that I would encourage you to give that permission. His name would be Jesus. Okay. Modern identity, let it go. Traditional identity, let it go. Put off the old self that was driven by your desires and take upon the new self, which is Christ and his righteousness and his holiness. Please stand. Let's pray. Father, we just want to say thank you so much for naming your, your, your son. Jesus, the very son of God, didn't even give himself his own name. But he took upon a name that was given to him by the Father, which was Jesus. And God, you have named each and every one of us. You've given us an identity that is secure and sacred. Lord, would you help us on this journey of discovery? Not us discovering ourselves, but us discovering more of you and listening as you speak over us to greater discern who it is that we actually are and who it is that we're called to become. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for partnering with us, even as I just get the sense that you've indulged me on a philosophical subject matter today. A big chunk of that sermon was that. And you've met us here and you've helped us to understand this. So Holy Spirit, reveal, 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 reveal who we are. But Holy Spirit, I also pray that this week you'd reveal, reveal, reveal who we're not. May we be more aware of culture's creed and say, I am done with this script. I rip it up in half and toss it into the trash because it is way too fragile and I am way too awesome to be living my life like that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.